0: All right, you may be seated. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me now to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. While you're turning to Acts chapter 13, I want to make just a few remarks. Uh, pastor Jim, I love you, man. And I appreciate you. your faithful pastor. I also want to uh, say to the music team that your ministry blesses me. So I appreciate, I appreciate that, and I know that I'm not alone in saying that, and I rejoice. Some of you that have been around Everglades a really long time like myself uh, remember what things used to be like. <laughs> and uh, the Lord has been kind to us, amen. Um, man, y'all sound awesome. But you know, it's not really about the sound, is it? It's not about the performance. It's it's about your walk with Christ, and I know that each one of you strive to honor the Lord, so I just wanna encourage you. Thank you for serving. And I know you're gonna be mad at me, Miss Stephanie Dupree, but it was really good to see you up here this morning singing, I appreciate you. Acts 13, uh, 13 through 52. Is going to be our text, and in case you're wondering, I didn't pack a lunch, are we going to finish this? The answer to that question is no, we're not going to finish that this week. We'll finish it next week, so uh, you'll be home for lunch, I promise. But remember, it's only like 8.30 in the morning, so i got like three hours to go. Just kidding. I want to talk to you, though, specifically this morning from this passage of Scripture and next week about... Commitment to the gospel's advance. Commitment to the gospel's advance. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We think of your kindness towards us, God. Even the fact that we would say we love you, we can only rightly Admit that we can say that because you loved us first. God, that you called us from darkness to light, that you've given us a seat at your table, that you've adopted us as sons and daughters, that you've forgiven us of our sins, that you've cast them as far as the east is from the west. It's an amazing thing. And though our hearts are burdened and we struggle with the sicknesses and what's happening in our church family, God, we have to recognize this morning that man's greatest need is not to be healed from COVID. Man's greatest need is to be saved from their sin and the wrath that they're under. And so, God, we do pray that you use these situations to further the kingdom. God, help us to be committed in good times and hard times. Thank you for your kindness to us that in your providence we've, sing, we've sung the songs that we've sang this morning because really it's just about trusting you, not ourselves. So we love you, God. We do what we are called to do, which is we gather together in season and out of season, hard times and good times, to study your word together as a church family And when we do that, Lord, we need your help. So we pray for your Spirit's illumination. God, we pray that you help us to understand. God, we pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, work in our hearts. God, just give us a desire and a hunger for your word like we've never had before. So we love you, and we pray this in the name of our Savior, our King of kings, and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to talk with you guys from this passage of Scripture about being committed to the gospel. You know, Last week when we looked at this passage about Paul and Barnabas just starting their missionary journey, one of the things that I shared with you was They didn't get very far along in the journey before they met opposition. They had gotten maybe 120 to 130 miles into the journey, fueled by the excitement of the Church of Antioch behind them, had a solid mission team in place, and Barnabas and and Paul and young John Mark. Ready to take on hell with a squirt gun, so to speak, Pastor Jim. Remember those days when you graduated from Bible college? You're gonna fly airplanes and drop missionaries in and storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun. Doesn't take long to do doesn't take long in ministry before you realize, as I said last week, motivation's not enough and self-empowerment's not enough and we have to have more than ourselves. We, we really need the Spirit of God to help us in this. And so we saw last week that they didn't get very far before they met a guy named Bar-Jesus. And Bar-Jesus clearly opposed Paul, clearly opposed Barnabas, clearly opposed Sergius Paulus, clearly took what was being shared in the truth of God from God's Word, the gospel and twisted it for the sole purpose of sergius paulus not coming to faith in christ and if you remember that and i talked to you last week about how the key for paul being able to navigate that unexpected opposition was his walk with jesus and i challenged you to read your bible this week so he asked you were you able to do that you don't have to raise your hand or tell me but I just want you to think about that challenge that I gave you last week to get back into the Word, to work on your relationship with Christ. And I pray that you were able to do that. Now this is an interesting thing in the text because they leave Paphos where they meet Sergius Paulus and Sergius Paulus comes to faith in Christ and it's not long before they have another ministry challenge. And it's this ministry challenge of desertion. Desertion, not like a good Baptist fellowship meal where you eat fried chicken and lots of dessert. I don't mean that. Desertion, my North Carolina accent sometimes doesn't allow me to enunciate words very well. But what I mean is when someone abandons the team, to desert, to leave, to quit, to go back. And that's what happens in our text. fact look at it with me we won't read the, the whole thing in its entirety we'll just read what I want us to concentrate on this morning in verses 13 through 16 notice the text now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia and Luke just says this so nonchalantly doesn't he and John left them And returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, And you who fear God, listen. We'll stop there. And we'll look at the sermon next week. But it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, if there was ever a blueprint for what you're going to face as a church family and what you'll face in ministry, it's these two things. You're striving to follow God and you're striving to minister the gospel. And the next thing you know, there's opposition. And I think we get that, don't we? Like we would expect that, that there would be opposition from the world, that there would be opposition from without, that there would be someone that's not a believer, that would be completely opposed to the truth and not want people to to hear the truth. My goodness, we see it every day in our culture, amen? I mean, that's the culture that we live in. The culture that we live in hates God, hates his word, hates truth, and doesn't want anybody to hear anything about God and certainly doesn't want anybody to know that there's true hope, lasting hope in the name of Jesus Christ. But it's this next one that's unexpected. And it's this next one that I would submit to you that hurts more than anything in ministry. Look back at the text. So Paul, who's now going by his Roman name, by the way. Sometimes he's called Saul. Sometimes he's called Paul. But once his ministry shifts to the Gentiles, he goes by his Roman name, which would have been Paul. So Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. They're together as a team. And look what the text says. They they set sail from Paphos. This is where they were ministering to Sergius Paulus. And they come to Perga in Pamphylia. So Perga was about eight miles inland. So they go to a port, they travel eight miles, they're in Perga, and then the unexpected happens. John Mark leaves. Again, Luke, Luke doesn't say much about it. Like, this is one of those moments, Victor, where you, if you're like me, you just want to know, don't you? Like, man, what happened? Like, did they get in an argument? Did John Mark get his feelings hurt? Like, what happened? This is one of those cases, though, where we're not told what we may want to know. We're told what we need to know and what we need to know at this moment in this journey is that one of the team members leaves one of the team members deserts. i want you to think about this it wouldn't have been very long before that the church of antioch had assembled this team prayed for this team Sent this team out. They had been faithfully ministering and sharing the gospel. My goodness, they had seen someone come to faith in Christ. They had seen a man rebuked. They had seen a man have temporary blindness. They'd seen amazing things. And this lets us know that emotions can't be enough to keep you going. As John Mark leaves, he deserts this team that was formed apart. Now, I know you're not thinking this, but let's make sure that we're not thinking this in case you are thinking this. Let's not read this and think, well, this isn't that big of a deal. They still had Paul. They still had Barnabas for crying out loud. They had two of the the greatest men ever to minister the gospel. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. He could he could cheer you up when you're down and he could, he could put wind in your sails and, and when your walk with Christ is struggling, I mean, my goodness, he is the guy that you go to and, and when you need a man to know the gospel and you need a man to know theology and you, you need a man to plant a church, you've got Paul. Surely they'll be fine without John Mark. But that's not the way teams work, is it? It's not. In fact, go back with me to Acts 12. Go back with me to Acts 12 and look at verse 25. Let's remind, us, remind ourselves of something that we've, we've learned already. Verse 25 of Acts 12, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. And we've talked about this. Who did they bring with them? Remember what we talked about? This was a purposeful selection of a young man. Yes, he was related to Barnabas. we talked about that as well. So he was family. But more than that, he was in the faith. He was spiritual family. And he was purposely brought along <coughs> to develop as a leader, to pour the gospel into to train up in fact when you go to chapter 13 <coughs> go to chapter 13 with me now and look at verse 5 <coughs> excuse me <coughs> when you look at the end of verse 5 it talks about how they proclaimed the gospel in Salamis, and Luke specifically mentions Who is there to assist Paul and Barnabas? John Mark. That word assist means that he was an under rower. Back in those days, it was common to have people in the bottom of a ship as it went across the ocean. And their job was to help the ship make its destination. This under rower wasn't the captain, this under rower wasn't the main leader, this under rower wasn't the person necessarily making the decisions. The main job of this under rower was to pull their weight to help the mission to get accomplished. That's the word choice that Luke uses to talk about John. So it wasn't as if he didn't matter. It wasn't as if he didn't have a place. It wasn't as if He wasn't doing anything it lets us know by this word choice in acts 13 5 that mark had a specific part to play in this missions team hear me so when it says that he left this would have been hurtful this would have been hard this would have been difficult this is nothing to just read over quickly. We need to stop and think and meditate and pause. You say, well, well Luke doesn't make a big deal about this. I mean, he just mentions it and he, and he kind of moves on. Doug, you're making a really big deal about nothing. You're, you're straining at a gnat to make a point. You're, you're maybe pushing the text too far, am I? You remember in Acts 15 when Barnabas wants to bring John Mark back on the team? What happens? What did Paul say? No way. Why? The Bible says, and we'll look at it more, they had a sharp disagreement over John Mark. These two men, Barnabas and, and, and Paul, that had locked arms together and seen people come to faith in Christ, they had been in prison together, persecuted together, suffered for Jesus together, had a sharp disagreement, the Bible tells us, over this young man named John Mark Barnabas says, son of encouragement, we need to bring him along. Paul says, no, we can't. And I'll talk more about that later. But for now, what I want you to understand is when we come to our text in Acts 13, and it says that John, Mark left them, this was nothing simple. Don't miss it. There is nothing as hurtful in ministry as when people desert. I don't mean when God providentially calls people away. That's not what I'm talking about. There are times and there are seasons when God in his good providence calls people away. I'm not talking about when God in his providence moves people. I'm talking about when people give up and quit and desert. Two different things. Some of you have been journeying with us for a long time here, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. If I could put it in modern vernacular, it's like getting throat punched or gut punched. It's hard. It's people that you've prayed with. It's people that you've ministered with. It's people that you've poured your life into. It's people that you've shared the gospel with. And and all of these different things, or maybe gone on mission trips with, and, and all of a sudden for some reason not in God's providence per se in a good way but in a sinful way they desert it's hard hurts the team it's difficult it's very hard it's very hurtful it's very difficult listen when we're, when we're a church family, we're all pulling in the same direction. We're all shooting for the same goal. To glorify God, to know Him, to be known by Him, and to make Him known. That's it. To take the gospel of those who have never heard, whether it's in Okeechobee, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, in our neighborhood, wherever it may be, to make Christ known. When someone goes the opposite direction, it hurts. It's hard. It's difficult. So I want you to think about a couple of different types of desertions with me. One is, like we just read, there's a physical desertion. John Mark physically left. He just physically said, boom, peace out, I'm gone. Going back to Jerusalem. But... There are other types that are not as obvious that I think we need to think about. One type of desertion is emotional. Emotional desertion. See, sometimes people can still be a part of the team, but emotionally, they're not invested anymore. (coughs) They're not a part of the team. So they're here, but they're not really here. This looks like an inward desertion. Sometimes, if we're honest, there's a spiritual desertion. A spiritual desertion. <coughs> Excuse me. I need this cough to desert. There's a spiritual desertion. You know what that looks like over time? Kind of what I hit on last week, over time there's a hardness, a dullness, a callousness that begins to develop in our hearts towards the things of God. And yet we're still here and we're still gathered and we're still on the team, so to speak, but inwardly our heart's not where it needs to be with God. And you know what often happens The emotional desertion and the spiritual desertion a lot of times leads to physical desertion. This is why we need each other, guys. This is why we need to pray for each other and be be in each other's lives and check up on each other and make sure everybody's doing okay. And I get that we're busy, but our souls, condition and health of our souls are really what's in the balance here hmm. this can also happen in marriage can it not we can sometimes be in a situation where someone physically deserts us or emotionally or spiritually deserts us it's very hard it's very difficult so I want you to think about this Give us some more application. As we're on this mission to advance the gospel and make disciples, here's what we just have to remember. These aren't things that are necessarily new. These are things we've talked about a bunch. There will be opposition from without. There are going to be tons of bar Jesuses in this world that just hate the gospel and are going to let you know straight up. They don't want to hear it and they're going to work against you. And while that's a danger for us as a church family and we need to be mindful of false teachers and false prophets and all those types of things coming in. That is the beauty of having confessions of faith. They are fences. They are protectors. That is the beauty of being in small group. That is the beauty of growing in in Christ and, and being able to, when you're reading your Bible, knowing truth and being able to spot error. But I just want to tell you that I think the greatest danger that we face really is where John Mark found himself. And it's in this area of desertion physically, emotionally, or spiritually. I think that's the greatest danger. Think about this. The the greatest danger for a church really is not an explosion from without, so to speak. Some of you are going to remember this. I'm going to go back old school for Pastor Eric. It won't be a kablooey from outside. Sorry, that was maybe an ill time joke. It won't be a kablooey from the outside. It'll be an implosion from the inside. Our brother Andy has cancer right now, a very rare form of cancer that's affecting his body. If you look at him, he looks great, doesn't he? Looks healthy, no issues but he has an issue on the inside of him that's literally killing him, slowly. Do you feel what I'm trying to say? This emotional desertion, this physical desertion is like cancer, it, it, it can eat, it can if we're not careful, if we're not watchful, if we're not prayerful, if we're not pulling in the same direction, it will absolutely cause us to implode and kill us from within. And it often looks like disunity and division. So what do we do to ensure that we don't implode? So that we don't desert emotionally and spiritually. Number one, we have to work hard at preserving unity. You have to work at it. Now let's not be super spiritual this morning, okay? We got, we're all here by the grace of God. That's the only reason why we're here, Amen. And because of God's grace, we got nothing to hide. Amen. But there are times when there are thoughts that probably come into our head about another brother, or another sister in this church family that don't honor the Lord. What do you do with that? If you're going to work hard to preserve unity, then you take that thought captive. You apply grace to that person. You pray and ask for forgiveness you work hard to preserve unity. We probably have been in a situation where someone may have come up to you at some point in time and said, Hey, have you heard about so-and-so? Or as we Christians are often good at, our prayer requests sometimes are nothing but spiritual gossip. Amen? We just got to be mindful that we're preserving one another's body with in the body of Christ and we're, we're not gossiping and that we're not slandering and that we're not backbiting and that we're not harming and that we're not thinking ill and that we're forgiving one another. You say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Really? Look where it led John Mark. It's a big deal. The glory of God's at stake And the souls of men and women are at stake and the health of the body is at stake. You say, well, are you preaching this, Pastor Doug, because you think that there's something wrong? Not necessarily. We're committed to expository preaching. You know that. I've been here for 14 years. What have I done? Week after week after week after week after week. Preach the Bible. Next text. What's the next text? John Mark deserts. It's a warning for us. I'm not saying this because I think something's wrong. I'm saying this because as your pastor, I'm trying to prevent us from going in this direction. I love what God's doing here. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. God is using this little itty bitty church as meeting in a bunch of stinking oak trees to shake the nations for Christ. It's a good thing. have to be mindful of what we're doing and why we're doing it. We have to stay focused. Even the fact that many in our church are suffering with sickness right now, we can't get paralyzed with that. We have to focus on Christ and the gospel. Listen, my point is, you personally have to take responsibility to preserve the unity of the church. You have to. I have to, we have to, we have to fight for our holiness. We have to. I did some kayak fishing on Wednesday with a brother, Mark, not too far from you, in Port Salerno. And, uh, you know, Mark, we had no problem with the tide going out, man, because we were just drifting in the current. It was awesome. Easy peasy, mac and cheesy. But then the tide changed. If you've ever kayaked against the current, canoed against the current, it's tough sledding. Or I guess I should say tough paddling. <laughs> the current was so strong and the inlet was so busy that me and my, my buddy that, I, that had invited me, we actually just got out of the kayaks, Pastor Jim, and just pulled them. That's how strong the current was. And I want you to think about this. Remember what I told you last week. The world, the flesh, and the devil is the current that's working hard against your pursuit of Christ. Sometimes you're paddling and it's smooth sailing and it's awesome. And then sometimes, brothers and sisters, you just got to flat out get out of the kayak and just start walking. My buddy got so tired. You know what he did, Pastor Jim? He just sat down in the water. He said, I got to take a break. I was thankful. (laughs) We got to work hard to preserve the unity of the church. Number two, I talked about this last week, but I'm not, but I want to hit it again. It really is about just your relationship with Jesus. Putting a priority on your relationship with Jesus. That you're growing. Remember what the writers of Hebrews said to that church? He said, man, you know what? Some of y'all should already be teachers, but you're still spiritual infants. You're so dull. I don't think he was being mean spirited. I think he was just telling the truth. He's like, look, y'all need to get it together. It's like when a cowboy spurs the horse. You gotta get this thing moving. You gotta get this thing going. You're drifting. You're dull. Pursue Jesus. Number three, confess sin. I think this is if if we're not gonna implode, we guys, we just gotta deal with the sin that's in our lives. We have nothing to hide. Jesus knows everything. He died for our sin. Amen. He knows. Confess it. Forsake it. Don't grieve the spirit. Okay, now here's the rub because it's easy personally, but it's hard relationally. Amen. I was so encouraged Wednesday evening by Brother Israel as he was teaching our men. And he shared a testimony of how he's recently apologized and asked for forgiveness from his children over certain things in his life that he's just been trying to grow in. That's awesome. (laughs) Job. There probably are things that we just need to get right with one another, guys, that we're not. The Bible says to live at peace with all men if possible. Sometimes we we confess it in our heart, but, but sometimes we need to take that next step can, can I tell you can I tell you what's gonna happen? Remember when I said about the emotional and the and the spiritual desertion? What will happen is confession is such a good thing. If you're not confessing sin, you'll then become bitter and angry and resentful and hard hearted and uh, all kinds of things that, that you just don't don't wanna be. You ever been around someone that's just super negative? And you talk to him, and it's like it's like a black cloud. Like, oh my goodness, wow. Confession of sin helps you not be that. So so if we're not gonna implode, God in his goodness, think about this. God and this is why we're doing this study and family connect. God in his goodness has put in place in his word a way that we can rightly deal with our sin with him and our sin with one another. And make sure that we're spiritually healthy and pulling in the same direction. is just to confess sin to one another. And I'm talking more than just, hey, I did this against my kid. Or I said this against an employee or whatever. I'm talking about when we wronged one another. That we would get that right. Those are little, those are little cracks in the health of the church. We've got to get those things right. And then number four, I've already mentioned this, but let me mention it again. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. If Pastor Eric was here, which he may be listening, so he'll probably say it along with me. If you've ever been, along, been around Pastor Eric very long, you'll hear him say something like this. Press on. Press on. Press on. Press on. You ever heard him say that? Stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look back at the text with me. This is an amazing thing. And all the hurt and all the struggle and all the heartache. The question is, and we'll look more at this next week, how did Barnabas and how did Saul respond? Look back at the text. Look at verse 13. So Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and They came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Man, you should circle that next word, though, shouldn't you? That word, but. That conjunction. Luke is making a marker of contrast. What did John do? He left. What did Paul and Barnabas do? They went on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the discouragement, in the midst of, the, of being downcast, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the desertion, what did they do? They kept going. And we're going to see next week that God did an amazing work in Antioch, Pisidia, through the faithfulness of these brothers. Notice the text. Let's keep going. They went on from Perga, and they came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement, For the people, say it. You know, Paul and Barnabas would have been tempted to desert themselves emotionally and to desert themselves spiritually. Amen? There was a temptation for them to quit as well. But they press on. Now look at what happens. They get this invitation in verse 15. And then you have to love verse 16. So Paul stood up. With a broken heart and a heavy heart and burdened over John Mark, disappointed, discouraged, he presses on, he stands up, he motions with his hand, and what does he do next? He preaches the gospel. There's a lesson. There's a lesson. Amen. There's a lesson. God's providence is so helpful for us because it helps us get our bearings in difficult seasons and in every season there are dark providences of God and there are providences of God that aren't dark. Our responsibility isn't necessary to try to necessarily try to figure out what God's doing in each providence and trying to navigate all that. Our responsibility in the midst of the providence of God that's unfolding so, just be faithful. So, that's my encouragement to you this morning as we wrap up. As you think about where you're at with the Lord this morning. Have you physically deserted? Have you emotionally deserted? Have you spiritually deserted? If that's you, can I tell you something? There's good news for you. There's forgiveness in Christ. Because there's not a person here that's a genuine born-again believer that hasn't tried to desert. Amen? But it's the Spirit of God that perseveres in us, that helps us, that leads us. The Bible talks about it in Romans. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So if that's you this morning... Run to Jesus. There's forgiveness there. There's hope there. And if you're not in the faith this morning, my call to you is to stop running. Stop rebelling. Stop doing your own thing. Stop being your own boss. Stop going your own way. It's not working for you anyway. You know it. You're already miserable. Because you weren't created for yourself. You weren't created for this world. You were created for God. You'll never find true satisfaction, hope, and joy apart from King Jesus. The Bible says you will either admit that he is Lord here or you'll admit that he is Lord on Judgment Day. I pray that you'll admit that he's the Lord here. Because on Judgment Day, if you don't know Christ, it'll be too late. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your word. It amazes me, Lord, just how every phrase, every sentence, every person in the stories matter. Everybody has a part to play. There's a lesson for us all in everything. So God, my prayer this morning is very simple. God, help us. I pray for the one right now in their heart that's just really maybe wrestling with where they're at with you, God. I pray that today will be the day of salvation, God. I pray for the brother or the sister in Christ this morning that's just really wrestling with kind of what their walk looks like right now. Oh, God, I pray that they'll run to you and, and just pray what David prayed, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Don't cast me away from your presence, but God, they'll find Forgiveness and new joy in you. God, I pray for your protection over our church family. Protect us, God. Keep us from opposition from without, Lord, we pray, and keep us from opposition from within, Lord, we pray. God, help us to not be immature. Help us to be mature. Help us to be humble. Help us to not be prideful. God, we love you. We are so grateful this morning that you're patient with us. oh man. God thank you. Praise this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord uh, through a closing song.